0: Hey guys, welcome to the Columbia View Church podcast. We're excited to share God's word with you. If you'd like to get more connected here at Columbia View Church, please visit our website at www.columbiaview.org. Our Sunday morning worship time is 10 a.m. We are meeting on site now and following the social distancing guidelines put forth by our state's and we love the opportunity to, uh, to meet you in person, and we hope that you are
1: blessed by this word today. Thank you so much. It's a joy for me to be here with you, so.
0: Holy smokes, away from your family with us today, so just a couple quick questions, maybe kind of from 30,000 feet. Tell us your life story, some of the contours there, from birth to where you're at now.
1: Man, I'm tall. I didn't think I was that tall. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I um, grew up as a military kid. My father was in the Army, so I moved mm-hmm. from all over the place. Uh, yeah. Ended up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, uh, where you or may be familiar with. Yeah. Uh, back when it was called Bartlesville Wesleyan College. Uh, ended the up new there. Oklahoma Wesleyan,
0: my alma mater. Come on.
1: Yeah. Uh, ended up there uh, because I used to play table tennis. Well, I still do. I used to work at a club and coach and play, and so they had a club there. Uh, so I went to school there, ended up getting saved at college, and uh, mm. got a degree in elementary education taught third grade for two years. It was like, man, i got to do something easier. So I moved to the Muslim world um, and then been, uh, served in the Muslim world for the last 20 years. Did, did you
0: hear him? Something easier. Let's just move to the Muslim world and evangelize for Jesus. Holy yeah. smokes.
1: Uh, I met my wife in college, got married. Don't forget that part. It's the best part. <laughs> Love you, hon, if you're watching. She's not. She's Shout doing out
0: I mean. to the wife. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing him with us. Thank yeah. you so much.
1: They're, they're I have three daughters. Um, so yeah, that's it. So we were overseas for almost 20 years. And then Four years ago, we came back, and now I serve as in mobilization for um, director of mobilization for Global Partners. And my wife serves in um, training and equipping. So this week, actually, they're doing a training event at um, Indiana Wesleyan for all of our missionaries currently home. Uh, so she's there all week teaching. So,
0: fantastic! And maybe yeah. tell us a little bit. So, with Global Partners, which for most of us we should know this, but if we don't, man, I love to introduce you to Global Partners, which is the missions arm of the Wesleyan Church. The, uh, the identifying, equipping, sending a missionary. So share a little bit with us, James, your role with Global Partners right now.
1: Yeah. So as you said, Global Partners, we, we help provide global focus to the Wesleyan church. So as churches are raising up people and sending them out and they want to go overseas and connect, um, we help process that and help connect them with the global church around the world. Um, so my job as mobilization director is to, um, with our team, we work on journeying with those people, finding people who say, I think God's maybe calling me overseas. Okay, let's talk about that. You know, what are your gifts? What are your strengths? How can can you impact where where might God be calling you around the world uh, we're in the Wesleyan churches in over a, or about a hundred countries around the world um, and about 35 36 of those we have missionaries the rest of them are national leaders in churches so we just help people journey and just find a way where God wants to use them to continue to impact the kingdom uh, the biggest thing for us is the four in 10 um, still four mm. out of every ten people in our world are unreached have no access to the gospel and I um, don't want to get into the sermon too much, but uh, people that just have no opportunity to hear. And so we're very passionate about taking people there.
0: Mm, love it so much. And uh, tell us a little bit, whenever you have margin in your life, because it's not like you're busy or anything, <laughs> you're like, what's well, something fun you enjoy yeah. doing?
1: Oh, man, so I'm totally a kid. I mentioned table tennis already. I love playing table tennis, although, you know, I'm 46 now, so the the arm doesn't recover quite as much as easy, as quick as it used to. Uh, I mean, I play video games, love doing that. Big Star Wars fan, love watching TV, love reading. My kids are all avid readers. We love Mm -hmm. fantasy novels. We read and talk and discuss that. Um, So, yeah, just hanging out with the girls. Well, except for now, they're teenagers, and so they're doing their – they don't like to hang out with me as much anymore.
0: What do you mean they don't hang out? You're, you're a cool dude.
1: Yeah, enjoy the kids when they're little. Just enjoy it.
0: Squeeze them a little extra tight parents. Well, yeah. James, we're excited to have you with us. And uh, churches, welcome him as he comes and brings the word.
1: Thanks, man. Well, thank you guys so much for the privilege and honor to be here, especially on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving. What is this? Father's Day. So I flew in from Indiana last night, got in at 11, got to the hotel at midnight, and so it's four-hour time zone, so I'm a little bit, woo, out there. Uh, but so pumped to be here and just to come and get to hang out. It's for my first time in Portland, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, met a few people here and there from um, this part of the, the, the country, but um, this is the furthest west I've ever been. My wife's from Colorado, so I made it that far, but um, we have a church in Wyoming, Sheridan, Wyoming, that was a supporter of us for years, and that's about as far west as I ever made it, so uh, it's thrilling, exciting to be here with you guys today. Um, As I mentioned, I have three daughters, and so just in case you see me doing a lot of this, I used to run around in this, but I'm trying to stay on the camera here, so uh, if I get a little too excited, I'm sorry. Just, you know, this is what it's like to have kids. It's what it is. Um, uh, So I have three daughters. Uh, They are now 19, 16, and 13, Uh, two of them born overseas. One was born when we were home in our first assignment, and then we went right back, so she grew up over there. Um, They are very beautiful girls. In case you're wondering, they did get their good looks from their father. They didn't laugh. It's a tough crowd. Actually, it's, well, I said that once in our, my home church, my pastor said, that's true, they did get their good looks from you because their mother still has hers. And so, you'd think I'd learn my lesson and not say it anymore, but I can't help it. I just do. No, they're be- they are beautiful and I, love, and I love them. They're amazing and uh, we're so blessed. They grew up overseas, so coming back, uh, four years ago to the states was kind of a culture shock for them. They had to get used to life in America, um, and they're doing great. We're so blessed and privileged by you know there are a lot of opportunities that our country affords and offers you know young people, and so it's great. Uh, but it is a joy again to see little one, little ones running around. They're still my my favorite age. Uh, it's so funny. I was thinking you know we when they're so little you you spend so much time teaching them how to walk and talk, and then the rest of your life how to sit still and be quiet, and so you just gotta wonder about that. But but it's great. It's, it is a joy being a dad. It is a joy uh, being a father, and with my family, and I love them a lot. So, uh, well, this morning, definitely wanted to just connect these a little bit and talk about Global Partners and who we are and what we do, um, as we mentioned, bringing global focus to the Wesleyan Church. So, it's amazing to think about our world today, and as you guys are all aware, it, 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 it's very hard in any profession, any type of life, to, to live kind of secluded nowadays. You just can't right there's a war going halfway around the world and does that impact us well how much does it cost to fill up your gas tank right now i mean there's a, you know the world is connected and it doesn't matter if you're in ministry or business or education or medical whatever it's just an, it's a global world now and the idea that we, as followers of Jesus, can be an impact to the world is just thrilling to me. Exciting to think, yeah, who I am, my relationship with Christ is not only for here, but also for around the world. And I love that and I'm excited by that. And so that's my passion and motivation for, gets me going to say, hey, how can I continue to be a witness and be an example for Him wherever I am? So, well, this morning I would love to uh, check out the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, and I think we're going to look at that, man, on the screen. Usually, I take this time and tell a little um, uh, language learning humor story, why people flip to the... But now we get on the screen so quick, we don't have time. But I'm going to pretend like you're looking for it on your phones or your Bibles and, and talk about that. So one of the cool things about going overseas and living is you get to learn another language. And uh, which is really fun. It's been cool to learn how they say things and how they do things, and learn to be able to joke and tell. And, and uh, I know you guys do a lot of work, immigrant connection stuff, so you get to connect with people that probably know different languages and things like that. And it's just a, it's just really fun to engage that way. Unfortunately, you do have to learn, and in the learning process, sometimes you don't necessarily get it right. Um, so I remember one time I was talking with my language tutor, and I was wanting to tell him that when I clean the house, first I sweep and then I mop. That was the sentence I was attempting to say. Well, in that language, the word sweep is supermak. And um, I substituted the word soyunmak. I mean, it sounds close, right? It starts with an S, it was in there. I was like, okay, so when I clean, first I soyun, and then I mop. Well, unfortunately for me, the word soyunmak doesn't mean sweep, it means to take off all your clothes. So I promptly announced to my language tutor, whenever I clean my house, first I take off all my clothes, and then I start washing. And he's just staring at me, looking like wondering, "Is this kind of an American tradition, or is something you just do, or what's going on here?" Thankfully, that was done in a one-on-one and not in the group setting where I've made a lot of other dumb mistakes. But anyway, uh, fun times. The Lord has a great sense of humor. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen to twenty-one. Before I jump into, this, let's just pray this morning. Ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we love you. We thank you, and we're just so blessed that you are our heavenly Father. I pray this morning, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart would be so pleasing to you. And that as your servant so long ago said, we also say this morning, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter five, seventeen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I'm going to pause right there. Love this verse. You may have heard this verse before. One of my favorite verses. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. It doesn't matter who you were, what you did, how you acted, anything you did before that. Once knowing Christ, he forgets all that. We're a new creation. We're a new person. I mentioned I got saved in, 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 um, Oklahoma, at, at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I was 19 years old. Prior to that, I led a very different lifestyle. It was selfish. It was me-centered. It was focused on all the things the world had to offer that I thought would make me feel good and make me better and, 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 and just all those things, the vices, the, the alcohol, the drugs, the promiscuity, all those things in life. It was all me-centered and nothing to do with pleasing anyone, taking care of anyone. But then I was ended up at this place, this weird school, this Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and I was in classes, and I remember seeing all these people, and I was like, man, look at these poor, pathetic people. They have no fun in life. They're completely bound by all these rules and regulations. They've got nothing. I get to do all the fun stuff. And yet every day when I would come to class, I would see they are so full of life and joy, and I wasn't. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why are they so happy and fulfilled, and I'm the one doing all the fun stuff, and yet I can't hardly breathe in the morning. My head's pounding, and life's just not. What's going on? So I started exploring who this Jesus fellow was. and Eventually, through his grace and mercy in my life, he revealed himself to me, and I became a follower of him. And I celebrate that. And I, I mean, for the first month after that, I was praying for amnesia every day. I was like, Lord, let me forget that old stuff. I don't want to. And he made it very clear. No, you're not going to forget it. You're going to tell people about it so they can see how pathetic you were and how amazing my grace is. That if I can save someone as pathetic as you, then I can save anyone. And I was like, all right, I guess that's one way to look at it. Thanks for the encouragement there. But God is amazing. And it doesn't matter who we are. When we step into him, we step into a relationship with him, we have a new life. So, just to take that moment to pause, I don't know where you are or what's going on in your life, but if you haven't yet experienced that, there's a Heavenly Father who has a new life for you. And if you haven't done that, you haven't experienced that, I encourage you to talk to your pastor, talk to someone. You know, enter into that life now. It's the best thing for us. And here's the thing, though. As amazing as this is, and as much as I just want to stand around and party and, like, yes, this is how it is, I'm going to end here, we have to continue reading. And as we continue on in verse 18, he says, And all of this is a gift from God, this new relationship, new life. It's a gift from God that has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now verse 20, watch this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's powerful stuff. Not only did God save us and take us and say, you are a new person now, a new creation. I've forgotten all the bad stuff you did and who you were and all that. I don't care about that anymore. You're now my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. You're part of the family. And I want you to represent me. You are my ambassador. Take this message of reconciliation, of renewal, of hope, of love. Take this to the world. They need to hear it. Now, I don't know why God wants to use us. I'm sure there's ways to do this much better. I'm like, God, surely there's better ways to get the gospel out than using me. I mean, I say dumb stuff all the time. I do crazy things. But for whatever reason, in his infinite wisdom, God said, no, I want to use you, my children. You are my ambassadors. You are the ones I want to take this message to the world. This message of reconciliation. I don't know about you, but that excites me this morning. I get so thrilled by that because I I don't want my life to be just kind of mediocre. I don't want to just settle. I want to be about something bigger than myself. Something that I can't do in my own strength. And here it is. The King of Kings. That's Jesus. You can say amen. The King of Kings. The Lord of lords, the creator of all things, he who gave life with his very breath said, I want you to represent me. What? That's cool. Now, living in another country for such a long time as I did, we, we interacted a lot with ambassadors. And if, you're not who, if you don't know who an ambassador is, for example, in, in the country where I live in Central Asia, the, the United States of America had a, an ambassador there who represented the United States. He had full authority to speak on behalf of our president. He, represented, he met directly with the president of the country, and he spoke with the full authority and the backing of the United States. He was the voice, the representative. Friends, we're not the voice for our country. We're not the voice for our community. We speak for the creator of all, God in heaven, the king of kings. He has said, I want you to represent me. That's amazing. That's awesome. I love that. Sign me up. I love being a part of something so big. And here's the cool thing. It's not, it, does, it doesn't fall on our responsibility. It's, our, our If we go out and do it and it doesn't work, it's on him, right? He just said, go out and speak for me. That's all we're called to do. The results don't matter. But I've yet ever to see a time when we step out in faith and trust that he hasn't fallen through. I've not seen that. Maybe you have, but I I just never have. Every time when people step out in faith and trust, we see God work. We see amazing things. That's who we are. Matthew chapter 28, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And remember, I'm with you always. We're not sent out by ourselves. He's right there with us. He's right there with us to walk with us, to strengthen us, to empower us. Just this week, I was meeting with my daughter. She's 13. We do, when they turn 13, I do kind of a year of discipleship with them, and we meet and we talk through different things. And this last week was entire sanctification. That's a fun one. And she was I was like, well, what is all, you know, read a book and talk about it. And I'm like, the cool thing about this is, is the Holy Spirit empowers you. He sets you not apart, not just apart from sin. Yeah, we get set apart from sin, but we're also set apart to Christ, to his mission, to his work, and we're empowered. We are given the strength. We are given the power to go out and represent him. And that is awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't know any other job that gives you that kind of job training, that kind of empowerment. Go and do it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to throw that up there too, I think. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Now, look at that there. Uh, I think we're going to get it up there, maybe. Uh, You will be my witness telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice it doesn't say to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. And it doesn't say Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. What does it say? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and. It's a both and. And. One of the questions I get a lot when I talk about missions and overseas, people say, what about the people right here? They need Jesus too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope and I pray that you as a church, as a community, as an individual, are representing Christ or his ambassador in your own community. So many opportunities. We just heard about the, you know, the book of Ephesians study, the, the opportunity to, to engage in uh, immigrant connection and all the other ministries you do. If you're not engaged in your local church, I encourage you to you know, find out how you can get connected. Represent Jesus right here. Because you're his ambassador. God is calling you to do that, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're in your community, at the store, wherever. You're his ambassador. But also we have to be thinking about the other places. Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. I mentioned earlier about the four in ten, the unreached. Today our world is pushing eight billion people. And over 3.4 billion, I believe, are unreached when I say unreached, I don't mean people who just aren't Christians. I mean people who have no opportunity to hear the gospel. That's the difference. There are a lot of people in this community who need to hear about Jesus, who need to understand the gospel. And there are churches here and there are people to share the gospel. There are believers living here. But there are countries around the world where there are no churches. There are no believers. There are no, they don't have the, I remember moving to Central Asia in the country there. They didn't have the Bible, the complete Bible in that language. They had just finished the New Testament. While we were there, since we lived there for eternity, they did finish the Old Testament, and we kept smuggling them into the country. That's kind of fun, other stories. But countries where people don't have the opportunity. I remember when my wife and I landed, we had no kids, and it was in 2000, August, September of 2000. And we'd just been there a month or two. We're in the park walking one evening and we met a young college student, 20 something, and he spoke a little bit of English because we hadn't learned the language yet in one month, and we're talking. He's like, Why are you here? We're like, Well, we don't know what we can say, you know, we don't want to go to jail and this and that. We're like, well, you know, we we loved God and we believed the Bible and we want to obey the Bible. And he just, what's the Bible? I mean, I didn't get saved till I was 19, right? But I knew what a Bible was probably had one in my house. He was a man in his early 20s who'd never heard of the Bible. And it just blew my mind away. December came, there was no Christmas. They didn't celebrate Christmas. It never dawned on me. Oh yeah, that's right. This is not a country with Christian background. They don't celebrate Christmas. That's a completely different world. And to think that four out of every 10 people in our world today have no access, it blows my mind. And I don't get it. Most of us got phones sad. Uh, with, well, you can pull it out and you have access to how much information and technology today, more than ever before in the history of our world, we have access to information. And yet four out of ten people have no access to the gospel. That breaks my heart. As a church, I hope it breaks our heart to the point that we say, what can we do? The unreached is difficult. It's not easy to go to those places because of a lot of reasons. I mean, in the last uh, you know, five, seven years, We've had at least five different missionaries kicked out of the countries where they were serving. The government kicked them out for what they were doing, wouldn't let them back in. Imagine going somewhere, spending two years learning language, and spending two years before that developing a team of people to support you, and then traveling, going there, learn language, and then coming back, and they're like, nope, sorry, you're out. It's tough. There's persecution. There was one young man, a friend of mine, um, he lived and worked in a neighboring country, uh in a muslim country and he led a young man a college student to the lord and that young man um, faced a lot of opposition from his family and during one specific um holiday season in, in the islamic faith we happened to be in america my friend and i had a time in a conference and his friend was messaging him showing him the pictures of the beatings his family was giving him the bruises and the bleeding and just like my family says if i don't turn away from jesus and then by the time this season's over in two weeks that they're going to kill me what do i do And we ask ourselves, you know, is it worth it all? Is it worth it when all the cost and effort to go and we get kicked out of countries and we can't serve and then when we do share and someone accepts that they get beat and their family threatens to kill them, do we need to keep going? Do we keep doing this? I'm reminded of the churches that we started 100 years ago in Latin America and the churches we started in Africa. One of the first missionaries in Peru, um, they had to teach English for 25 years because it was illegal to evangelize there. The daughter of one of the very first local pastors there, she's in her 90s now, she told this story that when she was six she went to get bread at the local store and she brought it back to the family and they all ate it and they all got sick and passed out. Someone came to finally and ran to get help only to find that the whole village had gathered together to watch them die because they deliberately poisoned them to get rid of Christianity. Today, our church in Peru is booming. It's exploding. Our churches in Latin America are now to the point. They are no longer underneath Global Partners. They are their own leaders, own churches. They are now sending missionaries. In fact, they just sent two missionaries this last summer to join us in our work, what we're doing in Muslim countries. Our churches in Africa, we would send missionaries and missionaries, and some of them them didn't last a month on the field. One, I know, made it and died within the first week of malaria. Over and over again, we sent, and we, we had, um, within the first 60, 70 years, we had five countries, five different countries in Africa where we had missionaries. Today we have over 19. All the rest of them were started by other missionaries from our African churches. They're sending, they're exploring, the church is booming and it's growing. And I think, what if we would have said no? What if we would have stopped sending when it got hard and the cost was too high? But we didn't, we kept sending, and now the church is exploding, and the Wesleyan church is much larger, outside of North America, than it is in North America today. God is a faithful, amen? But we've got to be willing to say yes, and recognize that it will cost us something. But here's the thing, right? When we represent ourselves as ambassadors of Christ, and we step out in faith, we get to see God do the miraculous. That young man I told you about in the country where he's getting beaten, his family, he decided not to turn away. He told his family, I, I'm not, I, I, I love you, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is the life I'm going to live. His family didn't kill him. He was working for family and they, they cut him off, lost his job and he was separated from him and all that. But, he, but they left him alone. And then months after, they came to him and said, you know, we don't agree with anything you're doing. We don't agree with this belief system and all that, but we see a difference in your life and we honor that. We respect that. And that young man started leading two small Bible study groups of m- former Muslims, letting them lead him to Jesus in a Muslim country. When we step out and trust, God does the amazing thing. I love the apostle Peter. Um, Peter does some dumb stuff. He says some dumb stuff, and I can relate to that. Maybe you can't. I can relate to that. Sometimes I'll be reading about Peter, and he'll do something dumb, and I'm like, no, no. I'll go back and read it again, just hoping he doesn't do the same thing twice. I'm like, please make a better decision. He doesn't. He does stupid stuff all the time. But you know what? Other than Jesus Christ, Peter's the only person I know who's ever walked on water. Any of you ever walked on water when it wasn't frozen? Because so I know it might get cold here. Now, here's a question If you had a chance to walk on water, would you do it? Raise your hand if you would. Yeah, if your hand's not up, put it up. You know you would. And you'd have your phone out taking a picture. It'd be all over Instagram. You'd be selfie. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the water. Look, you tell the world because that's a miraculous thing. You can't do that in your own strength. You can only do that through the power of God. And that's the same thing when we say yes to him, and we step out of that boat and we say, here I am, God, use me. We get to do the miraculous. I was a 22-year-old former third-grade school teacher who wasn't even a believer for five years when I moved to a Muslim world. I had no idea what I was doing. Here's a hint. I still don't know what I'm doing. But God's like, I'm like, here I am, God. And after we lived there, we saw so many people come to the Lord. We, we see house churches being led now by local believers in that country. We see them reproducing themselves. And now what was less than you know, a couple hundred believers when we moved there, now over 10,000 believers in this country 20 years later. God does the miraculous when his people say yes. When we represent him, our heavenly father is the best father. Amen? What a father to, ce- what a father to celebrate on Father's Day is him. And like that good father, he says, Go, be blessed, I empower you, represent me. So what can you do about it? What is your responsibility? All I ask today is that you be willing to say, God, I just have one question for you. What would you have me do? What would you have me do? But you know what? That, if you pray that in earnest, is a very scary prayer. Because if you come to the throne and say, Lord, here I am, what would you have me do? You gotta be ready for the answer. And be ready to be courageous and bold and say yes to whatever that is. God may want you to get more involved here. God may want you to get more involved in the Muslim world around the world. What would you have me do? When it comes to the gospel around the world, one of the things we need is prayer, prayer, prayer. And I know that's kind of the cliche thing to say, oh, we're Christians, we've got to pray, I'll pray for you. But let me tell you about the power of prayer. When God's people pray, he moves and he does the miraculous. There was one woman who, in the country where we live, she needed some documents to get done, and, and in this country, it's all about, you know, whoever's sitting behind that desk has all the power and authority. There's no, you can't go complain, nothing. It's them, and it's all about paying your way, and, and that's just how society worked, and she needed this stuff, and she went to this um, congressman's office over and over again, and he wouldn't see her, and she tried to call, and they had nothing to do with her, and this went on for weeks, and she's really needing to get this done, and so the believers gathered together, and they had an all-night prayer time for many things, and they included this as well, and they prayed and prayed. I mean, let me tell you, I'm like about midnight one. I'm like, hallelujah, Lord, kind of like that. And they're just on fire praying for the Lord all night long. The next morning, she gets her phone, and she receives all these missed phone calls from this guy's office. And so she goes in, and they immediately usher her into his room. There sitting, he's sitting there, and she's sitting there before him. And on his desk are all of the documents she needs ready to go. And he said to her, last night I had a dream. And in my dream, this man came to me and says, my name is Jesus. That woman is my daughter. You give her what she wants. And now we got a Muslim official in a Muslim country, a government official, listening to Jesus in dreams and obeying. That's pretty cool. You can say amen. When God's people pray, amen, when God's people pray, amazing things happen. I don't know what your prayer life is. Maybe you already pray two hours a day. Great. God, would you have me do more? Maybe you only pray five minutes a day. Okay, great. God, what would you have me do? I don't know. That's between you and him. But go to him and ask, can I be more involved in my prayer life? Maybe instead of that last, you know, that show you watch or, or, you know, put down the remote. Spend that time in prayer. Put down the book. Put down the video game controller. Put down the phone. Stop scrolling. Whatever. Give some time to the Lord. The other thing we do is we need to support. I want to thank you guys. Already I saw missionaries out there, your cards, that you support, the people that you send. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. When we've got people willing to move to this part of the world as a church, we need to send them. Amen? We need to let them know that we're behind them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to support them so they can go and share the gospel there. But maybe God wants you to do more of that. I don't know. What would you have me do? And then I think there are people God wants to go. He is still calling. But we're seeing numbers going down and down. Fewer missionaries, fewer pastors, fewer church planners Not just the Wesleyan denomination throughout North America. I think two years ago, Barna had the study for the first time ever. More than 50% of people in North America ascribe to no faith, the nuns. That's a scary thing. We've got to be willing to say yes to going. Whether he's calling you to go plant a church in the neighboring county or the neighboring state or another country. What would you have me do? Easiest prayer to make, the scariest prayer to make. God, what would you have me do? Some people say, you know, that's all amazing, you're, that's great, you're the missionary, or you're the you know, pastor's the pastor, but that's not me. You don't know who I am. You don't know my skills or gifts and, and all that. Yeah, I know. I'm just a person who was a heathen for 19 years. Did stupid stuff. Got a degree in Elementary education, third grade. Beyond two times two, math gets really hard for me. Later, they start putting the alphabet in there. I'm like, you can't add this. I don't know how to do that. 2015, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. That's one of them blood cancers. There's no cure for it. So like, yep, yeah, sorry. I was 39 years old when I was diagnosed. Uh, typically, you get diagnosed 65, 70 in there. And like typical life spans 10 to 15 years had to come from the field, do the chemo treatment, did a stem cell transplant, which is pretty cool. Um, anyway, I have time to go on that. Um, then after that, I was on maintenance chemo for the next five years, and I just went off last year, and I'm still monitoring every month. I'm doing great. God's amazing. I love God. But unless something happens miraculous, I'm probably going to go home earlier than I expected to go home. I'm still open for that miracle. Just let them know in case, you know, just want to be open whatever God tries to decides to do with that, I'm his ambassador. And whether I've got five years or 50 years, I'm living for him. Amen? So I'm not defined by the fact that I wasn't a believer until I was 19 years old. I'm not defined by the fact that my degree is elementary education. I'm not defined by the fact that I'm living with cancer. I'm defined as a child of God. I'm his ambassador with the full authority that comes with that. So I know you're sitting here today and you've got issues that you deal with. We all do. You've got financial struggles. You've got health issues. You, all, all these things, they're real. I get that. I don't discredit that. But they do not define you. Understand that today. They do not define you. You are a child of God. You are a new creation in him. And when you say yes to him, that old is gone, the new is here, and now you're his ambassador. And he wants to use you to take the gospel message to the world. Amen? Amen. So wherever you are today, I encourage you, Lord, you know who I am. You know all the strengths I have. You know all the weaknesses I have. You know all my failings. You know it all. Here I am, Lord. What would you have me do? Would you pray that today? Would you pray that and ask him, what would you have me do? Lord, we love you. We're so blessed to be part of your family. We're so blessed to call you Father. You are the perfect example of what it's like to be a heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, that you forgave us, that you forgive us, that you cleansed us, that you purified us, that you brought us back into relationship with you, that you allowed us to step into family with you. We can never repay that, Lord. All we can do is say we praise you, we love you, we worship you, and we accept the task that you have given us, this task of sharing that love and that grace with the world around us. And so I pray this morning, Lord, would you speak to us? What would you have us do? What part can we play? How can we go deeper in our prayer life, in our giving life, or in saying yes to going? Bring people to our minds, even now, Lord, friends, families, places, opportunity, people, groups around the world, people that need to know and need to hear the love and help us to have the courage to say yes to taking the love to them, Lord. Help us today, Lord. We love you, Father. We love you. We pray all this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Hey. Thanks for joining us. Our passion is to know and share God's heart,
0: and we're so glad that we're able to do that with you today. If you'd like to visit us in person, please visit
1: our website at www.columbiaview.org for directions. We'll see you next week.